Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. As always, joining us, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com, Andrew Malcolm at ahmalcolm on your twitter.coms is not X's. <laughs> yeah, right. Cruises. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, old school. We're definitely old school. In more ways than one, we're old school. Right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, just in case you see my hand during this, yeah, I had surgery on my hand, and so that's what this is. It's it's minor surgery, but it's just going to take some time to recover. Um, they're not even putting him on IR, so he'll be ready for Sunday. That's right, yeah. You know, I, I plan to be in the game uh, – well, tonight is the Steelers game. Actually, as we're talk as we're recording this, tonight's the Steelers game against the Browns. Yeah, I'm glad to see you're uh, knocked up for that. <laughs> <laughs> Can't make the squad today, you know. So, but but maybe by next week, I can I can be on the squad. I I don't know what I play. Left out, splinter back. I don't know. <laughs> oh, left out is what I play in baseball, and splinter back is what I play in football. That's right. So, uh, okay, All right. I'm a two sport so guy, Andrew. I, yeah. I, I get benched in both sports. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So with that, all that said, while we're talking about my Mitt, you wrote about the other Mitt. Oh, um, yeah. Romney. Mitt Romney has decided that we're not going to have uh, Pierre Delecto to kick around anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, one of the things I learned when I was working inside politics uh, and government for 10 years was – there's a lot of sincere effort made by people yeah, to do to do well and to do good. And like gossip in the neighborhood or news on the television, the good news doesn't get through. And so you only hear about the criminals and the people screwing up and the bad guys and, and all the problems. Um, Mitt Romney, uh, is a is a very honorable person in my opinion um and he's done some political things that i wouldn't agree with but he i have no doubt of his sincerity on doing things i i voted for him in 12 and i would vote for him again but he's not running again um and probably wisely he would face a stiff uh, primary challenge even in utah Right. Where, where Mormons, I think, are 40 percent of the population. Um, and uh, he just he, he's taken a lot of crap because he voted to impeach Trump twice. Um, I think he on, only voted for it once. I think he voted for it the second time, but I don't think he voted for it for the first time. I think he's the but only I, one who did twice. But anyway, he he was the only one. And he uh, made a lot of enemies with the. Um, Trump zealots, uh, and that certainly is their right, as, as it is his right. He called it as he saw it, and now he's leaving, and I don't blame him. Um, so I wanted to, in that swamp atmosphere, so I wanted to sort of wrap things up in a package that um, is a little more balanced than uh, most of the time, and and boy, did I uh, light up a hornet's nest in the comments section. I'll bet you did. Not, uh, not fans. The the the, the, no, no, they... the hot air audience are not fans of, yeah. of, of to, Mr. To give, to give most of them their, uh, of course, it's a VIP column. So yeah. so they paid to get in. But um, to give them credit, um, 
they disagreed and vehemently disagreed, but it wasn't personal. So I'm, no. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, and a lot of the places where you go these days, it is personal, you know, you dumbass and all that stuff. So, but this yeah. wasn't, and, and I'm, I'm glad I'm trying to, to get uh, more of a conversation going. So I'm replying to comments, uh, some of them um, regularly. There's a lot of comments on my recent memory pieces, uh, yep. looking back on how time has changed things in our country. Um, uh, so uh, the Romney piece, uh, it, it was fun to do, and I thought needed for, for balance purposes. Uh, these people try. You don't agree with them, but that doesn't make them bad guys. Well, and I met Mitt Romney twice, and I interviewed him one of those times. And I've always thought that he was a pretty decent sort of guy. Yeah. I, I didn't necessarily agree with him on some things, but I always thought he was a pretty decent sort of guy. And I think that his, I think he's retiring because he, I know he'd face a primary, but I think he'd pretty much win it. Um, and he'd win another term if he was the nominee. I don't think there's any real doubt of that. But I think he's doing it to make a point. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and a good one. And a good, and a good one. one, which is that the leadership's too freaking old in this country. and <laughs> needs to get younger. And, you know, at 76, that's not even particularly old for the Senate. It never has been. The Senate is where, you know... The, the the Senate is the is the old um, is our version of the old Politburo and the uh, <laughs> the latter day Soviet Union, right? Um, but they don't run anything, you know. They debate stuff, but they don't actually run stuff. Um, and he could have done it. I mean, he's a pretty healthy guy. He could have done another six years with no problem whatsoever. But he wanted to make a point this time, which is that we need to. We need to find younger people, and we just need to start making that transition. And, and and it is a good point, and I agree with it. I, you know, the people who are running for president are too damn old for it. Um, and well, no, not not the 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 rest of the Republican field. I mean, Trump yeah, is so. Let me let me say the front runners for oh, yeah. okay, you know, on in both parties are too old. Yeah, I mean, Trump would be 78 if he got elected to a second term. Biden would be 82. And Trump is a lot more is a lot healthier than Biden is. But that's not going to be guaranteed for the for the next four years after the election. You need people who at least are in a position where you can reliably get four solid years out of them, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and yeah. have to worry about um passing the, the ball off to Kamala Harris or Christy Noem about whom more in a moment, um, who's supposedly the front runner for the VP slot of Trump, Trump wins the nomination. It wouldn't be a bad choice for him for that either. Um, at least not until this past week. Um, but, and, and I appreciate the message, right? I don't think he needed to retire to make that message, by the way. Um, so I think it was a little performative. But again, I think in, in probably a good cause. And I, I, like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Mitt Romney. I would I voted for him for president in 2012. I thought he was going to win it in 2012. I don't think he pressed the case hard enough in 2012, and I don't think he ran that campaign well. I wrote a book about that, you know. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I don't want to say that he was particularly inept either, because he ran a campaign the way that Republicans have been running campaigns for a while. 
30,000 foot messaging, freedom, liberty, blah, blah, blah. Never getting, never, never doing the, uh, the groundwork to, um, to sell the message. Um, but, and he was underfinanced. Um, oddly enough. Yeah. Yeah. Obama had uh, millions and millions to begin with. Uh, and he, he created the image of Mitt Romney as a rich, uncaring guy um, starting in May and June. And Romney couldn't get the government money or the what he, matching money right. until until the, until the convention when he was the nominee. So he had to undefine himself as a bad guy and it didn't work out. And that's that's too bad. I think he would have been uh, I think he would have been a pretty solid president. He's got a. I think he would have been too. I would have been. I would have been fine with him as president. He would yeah. have been able to run the place. A solid sense of values, and and the when he calls people out that he thinks need calling out, and they're allegedly on his team, then they don't like it. But that's a mark of of the times today. That's not a mark of him. So. Uh, oh yeah, but let me put let me let me put this in a different spin though, because when he announced his retirement, you had people like David Axelrod. And other Democrat strategists who are going out there saying, oh, gee, you know, it's a real shame that this guy can't run, you know, for election in today's Republican Party. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah. was a guy we could have voted for. David Axelrod was one of the guys that was painting him as a vulture capitalist and somebody right. who had killed somebody. Yeah. Right. I mean, he stood by while Harry Reid, you know did a McCarthy on him claiming that he had evidence in his hand that Mitt Romney was a tax fraud, uh, a tax cheat. And he didn't have any such evidence. I mean, it's right out of Joe McCarthy's playbook. Right. And David Axelrod didn't tell Harry Reid to knock it off. He didn't say, well, Hey, don't do that. He's actually a good guy. You know? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's the hypocrisy. It's absolute hypocrisy. And, and, um, Romney is, um, He's human like the rest of us, and he probably did some hypocritical things, but he calls out people. Um, and I think he tried to live by a code. It's not a very popular code these days, uh, uh, a personal code of behavior where if you see someone who needs help, you have to help. And that was an anecdote involving Secret Service that I mentioned at the beginning of the of the, of the column. But um uh, and, you know, he closed his company down for a couple of weeks one time when I forget what the details were, but one of the employees had a personal problem. Someone went missing. And so we, Romney paid everybody to go look, yeah. look for him and so on. So oh, yeah. he, he, he uh, and, you know, he doesn't drink like I guess Trump doesn't drink and Bush GW didn't drink. And, and so there's a. And maybe maybe uh, what's his name? Biden doesn't drink either, I think. But it it's um, it's too bad that our political system and our political culture these days doesn't have room for people like that. We used to. And we used to be able to look look past disagreements. Uh, you know, we wouldn't have a Civil Rights Act if Mike Mansfield and Everett Dirksen couldn't talk to each other. And. Uh, uh, Reagan and uh, Ann O'Neill got a lot of stuff done, uh, even though they disagreed on many things. Uh, but we, you know, we can't do that these days, and and um, it's um, it's too bad. And and there are a lot of people who 
would be good senators and uh, and in the federal government who choose not to because it's it is a slump. Yeah, well, I wouldn't run because I just wouldn't. I'm just. I, I know it. We we. I know you wanted to, but we told you we're you're out. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna help you. Me. We're you didn't tell me that you. I was out. You told me that you've got tapes of me that uh, that uh... <laughs> you can run, Ed, and then I'll run these tapes. And uh... well, you, know, I, you know, I think the tapes were of me in a mutual grope session at a children's show in a theater in oh. Denver. Oh wait, no, that oh. wasn't me. That was Lauren Bobert. I mean, have you seen these? <laughs> I mean, this last week has just been unbelievable for yeah. sex in politics. First off, you've got this. Very oddly focused, you know, narrowly focused um, surveillance camera. Although it may just be that's where the surveillance camera was. I, I don't know if it was intentional or not. But you've got this tape of Lauren Boebert and her boyfriend, you know, basically getting to second base with each other in the middle of a, a theatrical presentation of a children's show, Beetlejuice, right? Which is, I guess, you know, children and older children type of play. Then you have Christy Noen, who apparently, it turns out, is having an affair with Corey Lewandowski. <laughs> you know, I never saw that one coming. That's different. Um, and I think at least she's married to somebody else at the moment. And then you've got the whole thing with Susanna Gibson in Virginia, the candidate for uh, this. I think it's the state uh, uh, House of Delegates, the lower chamber, who... Uh, was previous to running, I mean, I mean, immediately previous to launching this campaign was doing sex cam videos with her husband for tokens, um, including some very interesting types of, um, oh, I don't know, a, a theatrical performance all on its own. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't necessarily want to shame adults for, for their, you know, mutually uh you know mutually agreed upon choices but this is kind of creepy in politics right i it mean is, yeah, absolutely having her breasts fondled <laughs> in a theater and it's like get a room if you want to i mean i don't have a problem with you guys doing that but <laughs> do it in a theater where people are trying to watch this you know this this play it's something that you expect teenagers to do at a movie theater because teenagers can't get a room yeah, uh, right. right. Yeah, it's a shame. The the standards have changed, and you know I'm not going to be. I guess I am actually, but uh, old people always saying that things used to be better. They didn't be better. They weren't better in some ways, and they are better now in other ways. But in terms of culture and behavior, uh, it's not. And uh, uh, you know, we had Clinton with his serial affairs um, and uh, and Monica. And the voters uh, spoke in 98 when the Republicans had an impeachment uh, and they kind of spanked the, the Republicans. So um, I'm, <laughs> I would think that the House uh, Republicans would want to think twice before proceeding with this impeachment because well, he's going to yeah. be he's going to be done one way or the other. Well, anyway, they're not they're not impeaching him. They're opening an impeachment inquiry. And yeah, I think it's right, a smart okay. move because it allows them broader authority to demand documentation and 
and uh, testimony because traditionally uh, both the House and the Senate are limited to what's known as legislative action in terms of investigations. You have to tie it to some promise, some hint that you might take, you know, might craft, you know, legislation or regulation around whatever the question is that you're, and that's what they've been trying to do yeah. with, with this oversight thing, but now they don't have to go through that. They don't have to jump through that hoop any longer. Um, an impeachment inquiry authorizes them to subpoena people and documents um, very broadly. And that's the reason why they're doing it. My guess is what they're going to do is they're going to open the inquiry and they're going to start subpoenaing lots more documents, uh, subpoenaing people to come and um, testify uh, to whatever is going on with the Biden incorporated stuff. And then once they've developed enough of that, they're going to hold hearings to show it off, right? To, to say, this is what we're finding and we need to find out more. Um, I don't think you even need to move to an impeachment vote. I mean, if they really get a, you know, if you get the, you know, the Colonel Jessup moment where, you know, Joe Biden says, you know, somebody asked Joe Biden, uh, did you get uh, Victor Shokin fired to, uh, uh, to make, uh, uh, so that Hunter Biden could get his million dollars from uh, Burisma. And he says, you know, you're damn right. I did. Well, okay. Then I think we can, <laughs> I think we might have an impeachment vote at that point in time. But my guess is that what Kevin McCarthy has in mind here is just a very deliberate process to develop all this evidence and to lay it out uh, once and for all. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't have much trust in uh, Republicans ability to rein themselves in. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, clearly budget stuff that's going on right now. I think you're right about that. But, you know, just to get back to, you know, me being an old man shaking my fist at the clouds, right? Um, <laughs> well, do it, do it with a good hand. Yeah, I got to do it with a good hand. I can't, I can't close this hand up yet, so I got to do it with a good hand. Um, yeah, I mean, just the, the level of personal judgment is kind of shocking. I mean, if you're going to be involved in politics, you kind of want to keep your nose clean in some of these things. And the fact that we're electing people to office that don't have very good judgment, I think is a little disturbing. I mean, it's all, and it's always ever been this. I mean, I, 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 I'm old enough to remember, uh, was it Wilbur Mills and Fanny Fox? Yeah. Yeah. Dancing in the fountain in Washington. Yeah. Yeah. That was like almost 50 years ago. But those uh, were, those were uh, exceptions in those days. And, yeah, exceptions. And, and, These days, it seems like it's the rule. Nobody really has yeah. any personal uh, restraint. Uh, dis yeah, discipline. And I guess the voters collectively can make their own judgment, and, and they did by re-electing Clinton and, and uh, spanking the Republicans for impeachment in 98. But... Um, like you, I just wish we had a little more self-discipline. You know, if Trump had a little self-discipline uh, in what he said about, says about people, um, I think he would have been reelected. Uh, his, his, his policies and programs were very successful as president. His personal yeah. behavior and self-discipline, not so much. So... Uh, and that just sort of handed it to the Democrats. And the polls showed before that election that 70 or 75% of, of Democrats were voting 
for Biden, not because it was Biden, but they were voting against Trump. And this shows you what happens uh, when you vote against somebody rather than for somebody. So you vote against them and you don't really examine who's going to get your vote. And here we are with um, a mentally deficient um, president. Um, And uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Carter wasn't deficient, but a lot of people voted for him. Uh, and regretted it later um, because of the the Nixon years. Well, yeah, it was a reaction to Watergate, basically, is what it was. It was a reaction to and Nixon. the pardon and, the pardon, and Ford's yeah. pardon of Nixon, which yeah, uh, that exercised me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it exercised a lot of people. But um, before we get to Trump, because I do want to ask you about the Trump Megan Kelly interview, because there's some interesting, and that's a media issue, and getting into how that how Megyn Kelly did, how Donald Trump did. I, I just want to bring it back to standards one more time with the whole thing with John Fetterman and the Senate dress code. Oh, you've been reading about this? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. So John Fetterman supposedly is not capable of getting dressed up in a suit and tie. And so Chuck Schumer has now changed the rules to make the Senate come as you are. <laughs> right? And John Fetterman's come as you are is a sweatshirt and shorts. Right yeah. now, and I was talking about this with colleagues today, and I won't say who, but the colleagues, I was, I was disgusted by this, but it wasn't quite focused on why, other than just the fact that I think the Senate is a place where you dress up. Um, but somebody in this on this in this conversation made a really good point, which was that you know Daniel Inouye and Bob Dole were able to get dressed in suits and ties, <laughs> and Inouye Ooh. lost an arm and. In defense of the country, and Dole lost the use of his arm. He still had it, but he lost the use of the arm in defense of his country. And those guys could still put on suits and ties. So I they had somebody do it for them. Yeah. Okay. So Fetterman's got a staff. Actually, I think Bob Dole invented some sort of device that allowed him to get the tie on one-handed. Oh, uh, I mean that's in the recesses. I talked with I talked with a guy who who at one point had been the, the body man for Dole. And he hated the, uh, the mornings because Dole was very cranky when he was getting dressed because, oh, because, because he couldn't do a lot of things that he wished he could, even so many years after. Um, well, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't blame him for that, but you're absolutely right. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I, I don't believe it. It's not like it's because of the stroke either, because that's the way Fetterman dressed when he was mayor. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he dressed right. Yeah. on the campaign trail. He just doesn't want to doesn't want to bother getting dressed up. Yeah, uh, you know, well, I, it's I, disrespectful I, for the body. Um, yeah. and uh, mentally, he doesn't seem to be all there either. No, so. I mean that's I mean that's a stroke that's a stroke issue. And, you know, okay, fine, <laughs> but that doesn't yeah. make him a senator. Uh, I mean, no, he, no, no, I agree. And all kinds of excuses. Um, I got a headache or whatever, but I don't. I don't care if you can't be a participating senator and make your case. <laughs> I had hand surgery. I, I I can't get dressed up in a suit and tie. That's right. That's right. it's it's so painful to tie my tie. Well, well honestly, I don't. I don't remember the last time I wore a tie, and um, I have no intention of ever wearing one again until. Well, nobody's going to get married then I know, so that's okay. But it, it, it seems like 
that's kind of defiant to the body and the the gravity of the place. Disrespect. Uh, yes. Yeah, disrespectful. Yeah. You know, I used to wear a tie going to church. I did used to do that. Uh, and I haven't done that here in Texas because nobody does it here in Texas. Nobody does, yeah. But that's a nice thing about the West is it's so much more informal. Yeah. Well, I didn't mind wearing a tie. I actually, you know, I actually kind of like getting dressed up from time to time. I don't like having to be forced to do it, but I don't mind wearing nice clothes. I, and that's probably because I sold suits and ties for years. <laughs> and I just, I got a taste for it when I was, you know, when I was yeah. 18, 19, 20 years old, I used to sell suits and ties and I kind of got a taste for it. Um, but I, so I don't mind getting dressed up when the occasion calls for it. Um, and I think that people should get dressed up when the occasion calls for it. I don't think people should necessarily wear suits and ties to church especially if you're in a community that doesn't normally do that. But I don't think you should go in t-shirts and shorts either <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, the purpose of going to church is to worship God. And yes, God is kind of a come as you are sort of person, especially if you're a Christian, but that doesn't mean that you don't respect, you know, you're not, you're supposed to respect the fact that you're showing up to worship. And so, um, and for that matter, you're supposed to be prepared to participate. Um, if needed. And, uh, and that's what finally got me converted to from going into whatever I happened to be wearing at the time to getting dressed up. Um, and the second, by the way, Ed, I don't, I don't think you need to wear a tie anymore for the show. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> I did that a couple of times. The one of the, when I first started doing this at hot air, right. I invited Michelle Malcolm and she still owned hot air. And she said, oh, yeah, I'd be happy to come on. I think she had a new book coming out. And I said, come on, we'll talk about your book. I dressed up in a suit and tie from the waist up anyway. I dressed up in a suit and tie. And she thought that was really funny. I said, well, the boss is here. <laughs> Gotta look good. The boss is showing up. <laughs> Not only the boss, the owner. <laughs> the owner, yeah. The, the boss boss. Um, but she thought that was pretty funny. She she was pretty amused by that. Um, but, you know, it, you know, I I do... Um, I did the debate coverage with Hugh this last time, right? On Salem News Channel. And yeah. it turned out that I was on for longer than I thought it was going to be. But I dressed up and, you know, again, from the waist up, because that's the miracle of, <laughs> it's a miracle of, you know, um, Zoom. TV. Yeah. yeah, well, Zoom or TV in general is that you don't necessarily have to wear the pants. You can wear shorts and it's fine. But, you know, from the waist up, you wear a shirt, tie, and a, and a, and a sport coat. That's what I did. Because that's what the occasion calls for. And the Senate does serious work. I don't care if you think that maybe the Senate doesn't do it seriously, but it's serious work. And the fact that this guy can't be bothered to do it, and they're changing the rules to allow him to just do whatever the hell he wants to do, rather than tell him, you know, maybe you should grow up a little bit. Yeah. And if you yeah. didn't want a job where you had to get dressed up for work, maybe you shouldn't have run for Senate in the first place. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. I mean, it's, it's absurd. And this is part well, of the... So it's woke. That's what it is. It's, everything is okay. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Old man shakes fists at clouds. Uh, the next <laughs> topic... <laughs> no, I like that line. I like that line. Um just briefly, you know, because we've got a few minutes left. You know, the Megyn Kelly Donald Trump interview this week, which was actually kind of an interesting 
the vent she's, because she's good. She's good. Yeah. She's she's good at um at her job, and they have a history of not liking each other and sniping at each other. So I was a little surprised to find out that Trump actually agreed to do this. And, you know, I've seen sections of this. I haven't watched it beginning to end. They put out a nine-minute section um, at first. And Trump, that was about the COVID stuff. And Trump absolutely refused to take responsibility for it, for his actions in it. It was everybody else's fault. It was, you know, Ron DeSanctimonious's fault. But Kelly was asking him tough questions in a very polite, uh, professional, even friendly manner. And he was on his best behavior in that yeah. section. He really was. I mean, he, he was. He well, was good, good for him. Yeah, that's smart. And, yeah, smart. Um, but then we've seen more of this come out, and he's making statements about about the legal cases that are probably going to blow back in his face when it comes time to go into court. Um, I'm not sure about the wisdom of doing this. Of course, he has to run for president, it means he's got to do these types of things. But I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to win this by going on one-on-one -on -one interviews with Brett Baer, Megyn Kelly, even Tucker Carlson. Um, so I'm a little, I'm a little uh, unsure, a, a skeptical, I guess I'd say, about the strategy of doing this at all. Um, but how did you think that uh, Megyn Kelly did in these interviews? I thought she did great. Um, I. Uh... I, I wasn't a big fan of I, I didn't wasn't a regular viewer of her show on Fox and I wasn't a big fan and I didn't really follow the details of her NBC episodes but um I've been watching more recently and um like Tucker on Twitter she seems to be freer to be herself um and um I find that kind of appealing uh uh yeah. And, and, you know, I, when I was in government and politics, um, uh, in communications, uh, I was involved with um, setting up interviews for uh, the Bush campaign. And whether it was Bush or Laura Bush or Condi Rice or Rob Portman or some of the other surrogates. And you can, uh, when you're in a position like that, you can set the rules uh, they come to you they want an interview and you could say okay but he can't talk about the court cases so you're going to get dead silence if you do ask about them so will you tell me now that you can't that you won't ask about the details of the court cases and if they say no then you say no uh and if they say yes you can do it for instance the late night shows those are all, well, this is the old days, but uh, the old days of the 90s. <laughs> but but um, those interviews are, are pre, um, they're pre-planned. They're not scripted, but they are pre-planned. When I was a new reporter, I got all the crap assignments. And one of them, Johnny Carson was still in New York, was to go to the Johnny Carson taping at five o'clock if there was somebody of news interest on the show, like Mayor John Lindsay or Hubert Humphrey or somebody else. And I would be standing right behind the curtain, right behind the couch. And Freddie de Cordoba, who was the producer, 
had a lectern facing the wall with a light on it. And he would often walk away and I would look at the papers on there and it was an outline of the interview. So Johnny Carson would say something like, so somebody told me, uh, somebody told me you had some travel trouble in Paris. And that opens up whomever to talk about, oh, how they lost their luggage and how terrible the airline was or whatever the story is. And those questions came from pre-interviews. So they have a, little producers who call up the people and talk to the people who are going to be guests and say, well, now, what do you want to talk about? I said, well, I have to talk about my new book. And they said, well, what do you want to talk about the new book? And, and that is, they sort of reverse engineer an interview. And from that, the producer draws up questions uh, that they uh, that, that are then asked, but they're asked in an unscripted way to make it look um, casual. Uh, I did that. Uh, Laura Bush was on the, the Jay Leno show. Uh, and so we, I outlined some things that were not uh, acceptable to ask about, and they go with it. It's it's um, it's it's not a serious news interview. Now, maybe if you want to go on Brett Bear, you can't do that. I don't know. I I've not been in that position, but no. But I mean, but I mean, Brett Bear, Megan Kelly, when they're interviewing people who are in politics, I mean, that's pretty much open book stuff, anyway. So it should be. It should right. be, but. But you don't have to go on. I mean, you may want to. You may be desperate to get the exposure. But and you don't it, have to agree to go in there. Right. Um, and it gets back to the point I was making about Trump is that I'm not sure what the strategy is here because he doesn't have to do this. Well, he I mean, loves the attention. I well, think. I think that's what it is. And I think that that's going to yeah. be a problem for him as he keeps going on with these things. As these um, court cases. And I'm sorry if you're hearing rustlings. I'm trying to put ice back on my hand. Um, uh, well, but Megan and Trump had a private meeting before the interview, I think, to make up for whatever either one said to the other. And yeah, she, descri she described that in one of her shows as being very pleasant and respectful and how interesting he was. Now, that may have been part of the sales pitch to get him on, but it worked. And I, I think if Trump went on those, those shows and, you know, had some sort of agreement that we're not going to probe the details of the of the of the uh, Manhattan case or whatever uh he could come and he was and he was disciplined he could come across as a really nice guy if he wants to now if he doesn't want to if he wants to create news that's something else uh and he he just hasn't been that disciplined you know they would set up when he was in the white house They'd have a whole week planned out of messages, and he'd go out on Monday on the way to the helicopter, and he'd rant about something else, and it would blow out of the water all their plans for messaging. Um, and, you know, the media can ask whatever they want. They're not on the Trump team. Uh, but he didn't have to answer, as you can right. see with, with Biden, who walks by in his walks little shop. Isn't that sad when you see him walking like it that? Is. Yeah. And then when he goes up on the stage and he's got that glassy look in his eyes and his mouth is half open like like somebody who's waiting for it to be integrated. I mean, it's just, oh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's... Um, I agree. That's not, that's not the story. But yeah, I think Megan did a good job. And I understand Trump's uh, doing it. I just don't understand the lack of discipline. Yeah, neither do I, and uh, and I think it's gonna I think it's gonna come back to bite him in the butt. But 
you know, we'll that. see. Then he'll be in the news again. You know, I'm not sure. I don't. <laughs> that's you know, it. I mean, that's all it is. You know, the fighting, fighting gets you in the news. You know, you don't, you don't have neighborhood gossip about the lovely couple at the end of the street with three kids and they pay all their mortgages on time. Uh, you, have, you have gossip about the ones that are shouting and yelling in the backyard barbecue at each other and throwing things and and, and the ones that the are groping are. each other in a theater. Yeah, at the, at a, yeah, in the theater. Exactly right. Exactly. All right. Well, we're just about to the end of the episode, but we got to get to the jokes of the day. And yeah, Andrew, do you have jokes for us this week? Um, you you give yours. I got to find mine. All right. I've got a couple of them. This time I got them from the Laugh Factory. So I'm trying to s- switch things up. That's laughfactory.com. Give credit where credit's due. Um, <laughs> so a lady goes to the doctor and complains that her husband is losing interest in sex. The doctor gives her a pill and says, uh, you know, it's still kind of experimental. Um, she's not quite sure that the dosage right, but he says, just slip it into the mash into his mashed potatoes. Um, and so he's none the wiser about this. So she comes back a week later and she says, wow, the doc, doc, the pill worked great. I put it in the potatoes, like you said, and it wasn't five minutes later that he jumped up, raked all the food off the table, grabbed me, ripped all my clothes off and ravaged me right there. And the doctor says, oh, I'm sorry. Maybe the pill was too strong. Uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be glad to, you know, pay for any damages. And she's, ah, no, that's okay. We're not going back to that restaurant again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll let you do one and um okay well um these are old Jay Leno said uh, Obama uh, moves his big Thursday speech indoors from a 74,000 seat stadium over the threat of severe weather it's a weather phenomenon known as empty seats <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a real tricky weather phenomenon i tell you you know, you know, I was in an advance meeting uh, uh, during in the Bush campaign, and the advance people had come up with a theater to do a social security event in Kansas City. Now, and this will just show you how much Carl Rove knows. And Rove was sitting; he was presiding. He was sitting there, and he and he said, "What what theater was it?" And they said, "Well, it's the Shrine." I that's not the name, but he said it's, it was the Shrine. He said, "Well, as I remember, that's twelve thousand. And they said, yes, yeah, that's right. He said, well, why don't we go to the Masonic down on 3rd Street? Uh, that's 8,000. That'll be easier to fill up. So they did. But, I mean, that's the that, that's the thinking that goes on. And he avoided. That's what public relations and politics is, avoiding potholes. And he avoided a big one there because that's, that's what the media would have written about. all. Oh, a third of the seats were empty, but they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got one more. Um, Jimmy Fallon said that uh, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg has launched a new project to bring internet access to everyone in the world. It's called Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. It's very effective. All right. I got one more for you. We'll wrap up on this one. So Bob was in trouble. He forgot his wedding anniversary and his wife got really upset. And she, she told him tomorrow morning, I expect to find a gift in the driveway that goes from zero to 206 seconds and it better be there. So the next morning she gets up, he gets up early and leaves for work. She gets up, she looks out the window and sure enough, there's a box gift wrapped in the middle of the driveway. 
and she's kind of confused. So she puts on a robe, goes out there, brings the box back in the house. She opens it and finds a brand new bathroom scale. Bob has been missing <laughs> ever since. He's <laughs> <laughs> been missing ever since. So there you go. All right, that was from LaughFactory.com, folks. And, uh, you know, I just like going out and poking around. <laughs> Looking for some, Those are good. For some That's good a good jokes. one. That's a good All one. All right. Well, Andrew Malcolm is the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com, the joker of jokers. <sighs> yeah, right, right. And uh, you can find him on Twitter at A.H. Malcolm. Uh, and you can, he's got the links there to go to Red State. You've got links to all of his VIP columns. Go over there and read those. They're great. His Malcolm on the right. Um, uh, and, and, you know, they asked me to do some memories from my personal life, which is fortunately getting longer every day. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but professionally and personally. And uh, those are really drawing readers in. So there, there's been seven so far and they're all grouped over there. So great. They're go great. on the, the author's page. Well, they're fun to do, too. And you don't expect them on a political site. But uh, I try to make them fun. Yeah. Good, a good change of pace. And good luck Andrew with Malcolm. your hand, Ed. I notice Thank it's you your much. left hand. It is my left hand, so it's not my dominant hand. But uh, maybe by next week it will be, um, you know, not wrapped up. But we, we're wrapping up today, and next week we will uh, do some more wrapping up and unwrapping, as you the case your, may be. Your team better not win. The Steelers better not win tonight. I guess we better. I guess we'll have a conversation about that next week, won't we? <laughs> Probably okay. won't. Actually, thanks everybody. Thank you, Edward. <laughs>